All right, guys, welcome back to Recovery in the Raw, where it gets real and raw, and where we get raw about real life. Nice. <laughs> didn't even look at it that time, big dog. Nice. I'm so proud we didn't have to pull up the screenshot, you guys. You don't know. We, I need a round of applause for Casey today. All right. Great job. Great job. Thanks, Ann. Thanks. Um, so, Cameron's still out of town. Um, I think she's escaped to island life. Um, yeah. which like? envious I mean, of her, man. She's got to go. Can't on. blame her. Um, but we have a special guest today, and I'm super duper excited about it because we finally get some male perspective. Y'all, we've been waiting, man. <laughs> yeah, we've been waiting. So our friend Daniel's here. Um, he's gonna tell us a little bit about his story and his experiences, and yeah, with that, I give you guys Daniel. Thank you, Casey. Uh, my name is Daniel, and I am a grateful recovering addict. Um, I'll start by saying thank you to uh, Recovery in the Raw for having me on here. Um, when they say special guest, we won't go that far. But um, <laughs> we I will. Know, um, you're pretty special. Yeah, easy, easy. That felt like an insult. But um, yeah, I guess we'll go ahead and jump right into it. Um, like I said, I am an addict. My sobriety date is November 14th, 2014. Um, Grew up pretty decent, you know, no real issues, good family life, you know. Mom and dad got divorced when I was uh, young, didn't really matter to me. It was kind of like a two Christmases thing. Um, I won't hit too much on my childhood other than it was, you know, decent, never really went without. Um, I'll go ahead and jump right into the using. Um, probably when I was 12 or 13, I started to dabble um, with the neighborhood kids, you know, just kind of doing a little bit of stuff here and there, you know, you tried smoking pot for the first time. Um, can't really recall if I really had those moments where I was like, you know, wow, this is for me. I'm going to do this forever. I just realized that I would just go off on these tangents about trying to just alter my state of mind. You know, nothing really hit me until I got a little bit older. Like I remember being a kid and like took a bunch of caffeine pills when I was like 14 and like drank a couple beers and went to jump on the trampoline. So it wasn't necessarily like a feeling that I was pursuing. It was just like a, a constant just state exploring, of trying to alter my like perception yeah. on everything. So it was a little bit wild, but, um, you know, when I turned about probably 14, I tried crystal meth for the first time. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was pretty much the start of it all for me. You know, I grew up with older siblings, so everything was super easy to get a hold of, you know, cause they were at that age where they were partying, kind of finding yeah. out what they were into. So, I started doing that and then um, just everything fell apart. Um, school started to lack, relationships started to lack, you know, family life started to lack. I just found myself in this constant downward spiral um, and it progressed. But, um, you know, thankfully I got off of crystal meth when I found heroin. So, um, Same. yeah, kind of other uh, way around, actually. <laughs> save and supply. Oh, it gets so much worse. Hang on. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, so we uh, moved forward with that, and I was hooked on that God, for a long time. You know, I, I knew nothing about the physical dependency that came along with it. I knew nothing about just literally selling my soul mm. for one more, um, who I was going to hurt, who I was going to take from, you know, what damage I was going to do, and none of it mattered, ultimately. Um, but thankfully, there came a day where I got off heroin and I went back to meth because mm -hmm. I don't know how to stop entirely. I just know how to substitute with things in life. But um, that last time, it took me through the ringer. Um, home invasions, you know, I only say these things because I have been charged with these crimes, so I no longer have to worry about the statute <laughs> of limitations. Um, but yeah, I, I just went off the rails, you know, hurting people, stealing, robbing, yeah. spent plenty of time incarcerated, um, got to know jailers on a more personal level than I ever wanted to. Um, mm -hmm. But thankfully, uh, came a point in my life where I reached homelessness and I was um, able to get transferred over to a facility called Must Ministries. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's a, it's a pretty classy place. Um, <laughs> But I wound up in the homeless shelter and wasn't really seeking recovery. I was just, those winter months, man, like we lose a lot of people yeah, that are homeless yeah. in those winter months. I mean, it doesn't get down to 20 often here, but when it does, it's it's grueling. But uh, went in there for about nine days and, um, you know, they had me like going back to my dad's house to like wash his car for community service. And we hated each other at that point in time. Um, 
But I took a, a five-panel drug screen, um, failed for like six or seven drugs. I don't know how that's possible. I think it was rigged. But um, <laughs> I got kicked out of Must Ministries and wound up at a treatment facility and began my journey towards recovery. Um, when I first walked in, wanted nothing to do with it. I just wanted a place to say sleeve full of sandwiches honestly mm -hmm. i heard about they had that thick cut bologna like, <laughs> back in jail that was like good stuff you know what i mean but um yeah they had that thick cut bologna and i was just trying to get fed i couldn't have been 110 pounds of rocks in my yeah. pockets but um you know i stayed and i hung out and you know i met some not necessarily like-minded individuals but individuals that kind of understood um where i was coming from and the struggles that i'd had because i you know had good family, had good friends, you know, they're all going to church and stuff, and it just wasn't, it wasn't that it didn't apply to me, it just wasn't my scene. I never mm -hmm. really gave it a chance, so, I mean, I went a couple times, but never really focused on anything, but, you know, that's where it started for me. I was in boot camp for recovery, and, I mean, you're sitting in there with 48 other dudes, you know, some are from prison, some are from, you know, the good side of the tracks, as, you know, my family would call it, but... You know, we were all there for one common purpose, and it was to achieve contented sobriety. And um, it kind of came natural. I mean, we did meetings constantly, blah, blah, blah. I know a lot of people um, listening may not have that luxury, um, but it but it is obtainable, you know, just through yeah. hard work and consistency. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. the, that's the whole thing about the program is just you have to be consistent. But it's a difference you know, in quantity versus quality, man. We talk about it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're 100% right. But, um, yeah, I went through that and I graduated, I want to say, January of 2016. I was, I was like nine months sober and sitting in treatment, doing really good, well, what I thought was good at the time. Um, you know, I had like more shoes than I'd ever owned. So that was like, <laughs> that was like what was important to me in recovery. It's, it's, it's crazy how, how, how much life can change uh -huh. doing this thing. But, um, and I got a letter from Bibb, um, like Macon, Georgia, Jones, Bibb County, whatever uh -huh. it's called. They, for some reason down south, they give them two county names, whatever. Um, and it was like six felonies for a home invasion that I had committed. Yikes. And the girl that I committed them with, uh, didn't really snitch me out. She just, you know, did what she was going to do to lessen her sentence. So, yeah. Um, I panicked. I almost left. I was freaking out. I was like, I can't have any more jail time. Like, I haven't put on enough weight and I got too smart, <laughs> smart ass of a mouth to go to jail or go to prison. They're going to wear me out in there. But, um, you know, my sponsor at the time was the one that got me into treatment, took me down there with another friend of ours and, you know, walked me through that, you know, situation. And I left with no prison time. Um, wow. I did leave with wow. 20 years of probation. Um, hey, it's a lot better than going to for prison. Somebody, for somebody living the, the right life of life. recovery, <laughs> yeah. that's a that's a that's a pretty good deal, man. Yeah, it really is. And um, if anybody's on probation, it's really not hard to do the right thing, uh, or it's, it's really so not crazy. hard to handle it. Yeah. It's yeah. so crazy how like it was such a death sentence when we were out there, yes. and like I like. Just just today, on the on the way over here, I passed a you know a, a wreck on the side of the road, and I remember like not even being able to drive <laughs> past blue, blue yeah. lights. Like yeah. literally, I would go around the world uh -huh. to not have to drive because they would look at me and they would know, yeah. you know. And like probation was like, oh, I mean, I'm gonna catch a warrant because yeah. I'm not going to probation, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. like I'm not. I'm not going to go pee in a cup. I'm not going to go, like, no. Absolutely not. It was like a death sentence before. Yeah. And now you're like, for real? Probation? Thank you, yes. God. <laughs> yeah, you man, I was, on, I was on probation for two, three separate counties at the same time at one point, And I still wasn't Jeez. fucking staying clean. But I was going up there, like, I had went to private Christian school when I was a kid. So my mom was going up there with, like, handwritten, you know, K-5 Bible verses. Like, she was just with the wrong crowd. You know, she was hanging with the wrong people. It's and not who she, she is. Yeah, exactly. So they put me on non-report for everything. So I was staying fucked up, like, the whole time. And everybody was like, how the fuck are you on non-report? And I was like, thank you, Jesus. They're you judging know, me on my potential. Yeah. 
exactly. But yeah, man. But when you're doing the right thing, though, it is. It's it's not like that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You're just doing your regular everyday life, and you're like, all right, man, I'll pay my fine. Like, all right, I'll do whatever I'm supposed to do, you know? It's a, it's a different it's experience. Wild. Yeah, And it it's gets wild. to that point. I remember going in for that probation hearing, and I looked out, and I saw, well, when we got up in the courthouse, you know, they put you on, like, the fourth floor, so you can't just make some, like, window exit or whatever. <laughs> But we're sitting up there, and I'm watching this chick just pace a hole in the rug. She is just back and forth. I'm like, well, she probably smoked some weed. You know, I like felony probation. They, you know, sometimes don't care about that. And then I just watched her get on that elevator, and I watched her walk out to the front of the building. We could see right down to her, and I just watched her do that sidewalk shuffle. She paced back and forth, pulled out her phone, got on it for about two minutes, paced back and forth, and boom, there it was. That little Civic pulled up, she hopped in, and she was gone. And I remember that. Mm. I remember thinking, Mm. like, I'm never, there's no way that I have the ability to overcome whatever I struggle with to get through that probation sentence, because, God, I did that probably ten times. Yeah. I don't even know why they didn't lock the door behind me like a like a bank robbery or something but but um yeah after we got through all that just uh, you know went out into the real world and that's uh that's where it all happens you know inside those safe haven spaces is all well and good and they told me when I was leaving they just kept reiterating the only thing that changes is where you sleep at night yeah and that's, and that's really it you know yeah. I had been I'm an institutionalized person like even today, like five nights out of the week, I have chicken in the crock pot and steamed vegetables. Like right. I am so used to that jail life that it doesn't matter what it is. So this really came natural to me. I'm used right, to being right. told when to go the to the bathroom, when to, of it yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. all of it. So I knew that go to your meetings, you know, call, call people in recovery that you care about, you know, when you struggle, like get advice through people. So it all really came naturally, but you know, we come out and it comes to that point where life gets good. Yeah. You know what I mean? everything gets good and then you look back and you're kind of like well can I skip something it's like I do a handful of things a day but it's like which one can I do and get away with and there's been a lot of trial and error in that you know I try to cut out on some meetings I try to you know not talk to my sponsor all the time I try to not work my steps for years at a time and it's just you never know what it's going to take. Like, yeah. we're dealing with a lot of loss in our community, oh, um, yeah. especially mm-hmm. here recently. And, I mean, it's not, you know, that's always a tough subject for me because I have this very controversial point of view, like, when it comes to, to death and stuff like that. Like, one of my brothers that I went through treatment with, he went through again, and he just graduated recently, went out, tried to do it again, and it killed him. Yeah. And, um, you know, I always used to think, like, this was so avoidable, blah, 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 but the longer I stay sober, I start to realize that it's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Like, somebody in this program is going to have to die so that somebody else can live. And it pisses a lot of people off. I'm okay with that. Um, but it's, it's always a, t- a tough pill to swallow, you know, because we're going to go through it. You know, they say the first that you should buy in recovery is a, is a, is a funeral suit. And, I mean, that's the yeah. God's honest truth. But, you know, thankful... I'm able to see it for, for what it is, you know, today that that person, you know, was struggling bad enough and, and I hate it for him and I pray for him that they saw that that was the only solution and I hate that the dope's just getting better. Yeah. It's just getting stronger and stronger and it keeps Absolutely. taking people out. But yeah, so y'all got anything? I mean, I think the thing for me, especially about like what you were talking about with people dying and stuff like that, it... When I first came in, I thought that was like, because I, I would hear that shit in the rooms, and I was like, damn, that's some cold ass shit, dude. Like, how, how can somebody say other people have to die, you know, for us to live? Like, how the fuck, you know, because it's, you're not, it's a, it's a different, I guess, setting as a way in my mind when I first came in versus um, the way I view recovery and um, people in recovery now. Like, I guess, um, but I mean, as as with anybody in recovery, you know, it's it's a process, it's a journey, it's going to change and ebb and flow over time. But I remember it was uh, almost three years, yeah, almost three years in the first time I lost somebody like really close to me, right? And um, I I had two within twenty four hours. Mm. And they were not connected in any way, shape, or form. So it was like two separate deep cuts, you know? Yeah. And one had just picked up a year, and the other one had a six-week-old six baby. 
and um, she she was my best friend since I was five, and she she overdosed in the house with the baby in the house, and um, her husband mm. was there, and I was like, you know, um, I think until you feel it close to home the first time, um, it just seems like part of the background noise. At least it did yeah. for me. Like, oh, well, you know, they'll say, oh, well, you got to make sure you got funeral attire if you're going to get clean. And, it's you know, just another one-liner. That's one just part of it. Yeah, and it just sounds like anything else you hear in, in the rooms. You know what I'm saying? But that first time it hits hard, yeah, it changes you. Mm-hmm. And then... As it should. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like... And that's where that phrase comes from, you know, other people die so we can live. Because there's a lot of meaning behind that. Yeah. And until you've experienced it, I feel like close to home like that, sometimes people don't realize the um the heaviness of that shit right like um it's it's really important to not forget like this shit is fucking killing people dude like every day like i'm so lucky that i'm here and that you guys are here and like there's good quality people that i have in my life because all of us could have been dead on the side of the fucking road should have been dead absolutely multiple times should have been absolutely like there's no reason that i'm here some of us have fucking died multiple times you know what i'm saying like and that's and it's just really wild to think about like um the amount of of time that we've spent um doing all the things like over the years and we still are able to live this life like that's such a blessing such a blessing it really is. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like I used to, um, even, like, in my addiction and stuff, and, like, when I first got sober, like, I had a really difficult time with the whole, like, God piece. Yeah. Um, because my brain really wants things to, like, have a solid why and be, like, black or white, and there can be no gray area, you know, because, like, gray area leaves too much room for me to interpret wrong and, like, fuck up, basically, you know, um, but the more I live life and the more I stay sober, you know, there's so much dualities in the world, there's so much gray area in the world, and, like, you know, sometimes I just don't there's just things that I don't understand. Yeah. And there's just things that I'm not going to understand. And maybe I will one day and maybe I won't. But, like, the when I when I let go of getting caught up on trying to why everything to death, um, I let room for knowledge to just come. Yeah. You know? And instead of trying to, like, figure out, like, why did they have to die? Why did they have to go out? What? They did. You know, and I'm still here. Mm -hmm. So the only thing that I know how to do going forward is at least tell their story, live my life in a way that would, that I wish maybe they could have lived. Yes. And, you know, give, give them that respect, you know? Um, I feel but, like sometimes that's some of the strongest stuff that we can do in recovery. It's like live that life. You were talking about that when we were talking to Shay last week. It's yeah. like living an example of a life of recovery because to me that speaks volumes. Because I remember coming in and like you guys were in the rooms when I came in. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing this t- close, tight-knit group. Like y'all were in my home group when I came in. And I didn't know what you guys were doing and I didn't know how you guys had it. But I was like, these are the motherfuckers that I want to be like. I remember her coming in with like her little like woven hat. Oh my God. I was such a shawl in it. Yeah, Barbie still calls me Where's Waldo? Because I used to wear that hat all the time. Like holes all in it and like a puff of hair like poking out of here. And like she just came up to me one day and was just like, listen, um, I'm really awkward and I've never done this before, but. my name's Jade, and we're friends now. Yeah, from here on forward. So, yeah. like, just for be prepared. Forever. Just want to so, let you know. So, um, I'll see you next week. Yeah, and uh, I'll I'll say hey, friend, next right. week because we are now. I'll be in the parking lot waiting. For yeah. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but seriously though, like, I mean, you know, like that's uh, that was the idea of having some type of fruitful, meaningful, lasting r- friendship with mm-hmm. anybody was such a foreign concept to me. I didn't even know how to go about having a conversation to start down that road. So I started in the back of the room and I, every week I would get closer and closer and closer (laughs) to you guys in this group. And then before you know it, I was like sitting 
next to people that were in the group and then people would like start talking to me and I was like, Oh, I guess this is how you do it. I don't yeah. fucking know what I'm doing, man. Just, just do it. Throw, but yeah. Throwing one liners. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know what else to do. I was like, yeah, I'll read. You guys will see me. Yeah, I'll read. Like, you know, like whatever, you know, cause I didn't know. But I mean, I think that's, that's part of it though. It's like being, um, honest and open and doing the things that you should be doing in your recovery, not for anybody else, just because that's what works for you in your life. And that's like the time that we've spent doing all this shit is to have this fruitful, meaningful, beautiful life. And then without, without, um, intending to it, it just, it shines off of us. And it's, it's like people gravitate towards that and they don't mean to like you, that's, you don't set out to do that in your day, but that's what happens. I feel like I've had more people come up to me and talk to me about meaningful shit with their lives since I got clean and like started doing the right thing unintentionally for other people just doing it because I, I have the opportunity to, and I appreciate it and I live a life of gratitude and I do all these things. Mm -hmm. And then it makes other people drawn to you. And like, that's what I want to be doing. Like, I feel like that's me living my recovery out loud. That is me having the type of, of life and blessings that I always want to have. Like, I want my kids to be able to experience a beautiful life. Like if I'm taking the time to be grateful every day and find the joy in the small things, like I don't have to have a million dollars and brand new cars and all this shit. Like all this is a stepping stone, dude. I'm light years away from where I was four years ago. Right. Like, so, you know, it's sometimes it's hard as someone that has like this instant gratification piece as we all do as addicts to like, not be like, well, I'm not in a $400,000 house with like a 2022 fucking car, you know, and all this that's shit. Not, listen, and the reality that's not is, just addicts. That's right. like society. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like where we weigh ourselves against, you know, everybody's we're uh, in this, highlight reel and shit. Yeah, and we're it's in like, this land of like instant gratification and like nothing. I mean, technology, as soon as you get a new phone, it's literally outdated a week later. Yeah. So yeah. like, you know, yeah. like, and that's, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, I feel like, you know, um, learning to be at peace and happy and grateful mm, with everything that I have, because it's like, it's small things like this sounds so funny, but like, I'm so happy with my life now. Like shit, like telling you guys the story about me falling, putting on my shoe <laughs> <my gym> shorts. <laughs> That, like, makes me happy, dude. Like, like stuff like that. That you can just be real. Right. And me and my husband cutting up. And me and my kid, like, you know, she, like, runs out of her room and farts on me because she thinks that's hilarious. She's two. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's so dumb and, and, like, ridiculous in ways. But it's also, like. that's kind of, like, the joy that we should be searching for. Right. Those are, like, the the moments. I would never give a shit about anybody else in, like, their day and their time and what they, like, feeding off of anyone else's genuine joy in my life before. Yeah. Like I didn't have time for you and your stories about pretty much you, if you were joyous, happy and free, I pushed you away. away right. Right. To my stomach. Yeah. Um, because like you're lying to yourself and yeah. at least <laughs> I know who I am. You're right. Yeah. Exactly. Junkie for life. Yeah. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I feel sorry for you. Hashtag. Okay? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'm living my truth. Yeah. You yeah. can just lie to yourself about how nice and pretty the fucking world is, but I know the real truth truth and everything sucks and we're all gonna die it's wild that we do that (laughs) shit though yeah like we have this whole like storyline casey's truman show like oh well god i'm so glad i don't live in the truman show dude (laughs) but i really thought that i did for a while but i also did a lot of crystal maths for sure yeah i'm in the woods and literally Four miles away from any person in the world, and I'm just and the CIA all I can hear is, is radios, me. radios yeah. clip, uh, clipping on and off. I'm like, what are you waiting for? Just take me. And there's Dude, nobody when we were, there. When we were talking about um, how, like, when you're living a life of recovery and like police don't bother you anymore, and like you're not nervous about all this stupid shit. When I the first time that I walked into the zone. I was off my rocker. Okay. I literally (laughs) had not been to, I had walked all over Marietta, like saying like, look, everybody's looking at me. Like on the side of the road, like everybody's looking at me. I'm in, I'm in the Truman show. This is all a science experiment. They're putting up on the streets. Ah!" Because you have one sock on in your underwear. (laughs) No, it's because you literally look like a crazy person that's about to dart out into traffic and they're all trying to be hyper vigilant so they don't get a murder charge (laughs) for killing your crazy ass. No, but so I walk into the zone when I was going to, I was supposed to meet a police officer there that was going to take me to treatment and thank, thank God that that happened. But, um, I walked into the zone and I'm literally telling everybody like, listen, I know y'all all think I'm the police, but I'm not the police. I'm not the police because I had been shunned by all of my junkie friends because yeah. 
I just kept not thought going to jail. Right. Yeah. yeah, they all thought I was the police because I was in two raids and got let go because I'm the girl that doesn't even have a phone <laughs> begging for scraps in the corner. And they're like, yeah, we're narcotics officers. We don't want you. <laughs> like, you don't even have a phone, boo-boo. Like, like, yeah, like... You need me to take you somewhere? Slang, like, slang and wait by pigeon and... Uh, right, yeah. And I'm, I'm, you're, exactly. like, searching the carpet right now for some crumbs, and yeah. I'm a narcotics officer, <laughs> yeah, so like, no. You're not on the list. <laughs> right. But, you know, if you're in the junkie community and you get let go and everybody yeah, yeah. else goes oh, to jail, sure. automatically yeah. the police. Everybody was the cop. <laughs> yeah, Any everybody. lady walking a dog, she's so, a cop, they're a cop. Yeah. I'm screaming to everybody and everybody in there at the zone, first of all, the person that worked there um, took one look at me and was like, you need to go outside for a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want a cigarette? Here, have a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. Let's go outside. You can't be in here. <laughs> and I'm screaming like, I'm not the cops, I'm not the cops. And everybody in there is like, just getting out of a meeting. <laughs> and they're are like all in like drug court and they're like we don't care yeah. if you are oh, the cops. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can be a cop if you want to dreams mm. come true like yeah. <laughs> just like the way that our minds worked back then or it's, lack thereof and, and was the, like and the messed up part is like we know it wasn't actual reality but oh, the yeah. mind is so powerful like so I, powerful. I was at the suburban lodge next to the town center mall ages ago and I had been up for days mm -hmm. and this girl was at the hotel with me and she was peeping out the peephole and the bright blue Pepsi machine she was a hundred a thousand percent sure that was a Cobb County detective yeah, for yeah, some yeah. reason that wears Pepsi down the left side of his uh, uniform but I freaked out so bad because something was tapping on the window we're four floors up I swore somebody was coming in I called the cops or the girl had her dad call the cops i had a little baby pocket knife it couldn't have literally gutted a teddy bear <laughs> and tactical came in through that hotel room and that dude blew my back out i know that may be a sexual term and it felt, <laughs> and it felt and it felt a little sexual <laughs> after that. but that dude uh, put me on my ass Oh, and held uh, me tighter than my one true love. And oh I mean, my God. and I'm literally like, it, well, part of me is like, oh shit. But I'm like, thank God they're here. They're going to protect me. And I'm like, hey, look, he's out there in the woods. It's like a bicycle leaning on a tree. And that cop was like, are you fucking tweaker? I mean, he was going off on me, but it was so vivid in yes. my mind. Like to the point where like, when I think back, even now with I'm all the sobriety I have, real. it still feels so real. <laughs> Like, I was so crazy, but it was so, like, uh, it, it it's, um, it's thank insane. God for recovery, bro. Man, thank <laughs> God for recovery. Dude, the peephole chronicles are real. Like, yeah. listen, and I, that's something I feel like is across the board with a lot of people is the, the paranoia when we get to that place. Like, it's just so indicative of how miserable we oh, really are yeah. inside how and are, how man. ridden with guilt and how ridden with shame mm -hmm. that the only thing that we properly can feel is, you know, paranoia and everybody's after me because fear, in, our, fear. in our minds and in our world, it is nothing but darkness. You know? I remember that the only thing that I can really equate it to is like when you're a kid and you really genuinely think there's monsters under the bed. Like, yeah. that crippling fucking fear yeah. of there's something going to get me. And, like, I, as as having time now, like, it's, it's so crazy to think back that my mind played such a trick on me that I was so scared of something that never existed. That's how sick my mind was. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was, I was fucking crippled. But what's crazy is even now... We still do it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's we why still do it. The worst thing to ever happen to me in recovery never actually happened. Yeah. Because we, we still do it. it. When I was getting into recovery, I was so scared. For I was like, my whole world, they're telling me that I have to change everything. And like, but you didn't have anything. What are you scared of? Yeah. You literally had nothing. I showed up to my treatment facility and I didn't even have a bra. Yeah, bro. You know what I mean? Me like, too. I mean... <laughs> Because, you know, you need one. <laughs> but, like, I had nothing, and I was so scared and so fearful. And every step of the way, like, they're having to literally, like, hold my hand like an infant. And even even now, with, you know, some some significant time underneath my belt, when I get to, like, a crossroads of a new, of a new journey, 
you know, I'm like, oh, I'm, I, I can't do that. Yeah. Do you the, know who I am? Like, yeah, I can't do that. I'm a fuck up. Like, what? It's like, the controlled chaos. Yeah. Because yeah. we're so used to being in that mindset. Like, even coming into recovery, everything was, you know, they take care of you. They'll feed you. They'll give you some clothes. I mean, not some people may out maybe out to get you or at least get over on you. But, I mean, we're so used to that lifestyle that we don't want a, a free lunch even when it's handed to us. Absolutely. So then we come into recovery and these things and these promises keep happening in our life. And we're like, it may be successful, but it may be a failure. But I'm never going to take that step because I'm comfortable where I mm-hmm. am. So that's yeah. what everything is about. You have to get outside of your comfort zone. And it's it sucks. It it's really hard, sucks a man. lot of the time. And it's not fucking easy because we're especially addicts we are creatures of habit like I was talking about the institutionalization earlier like we are just creatures of habit I'm going to do what I do every single day and it'll all be the same and as soon as someone's like hey I'm going to change your life or hey this is going to be perfect let's go do this right nah nah I think I'm good Mm -hmm. so it is wild it really is the fact that we can just stick ourselves in one spot yeah is there anything that you wish you would have known in early recovery that you know now oh gosh um Something that I wish that I would have known in early recovery. <sighs> or even just advice or or something for for people that are coming in. For people that are coming in is take your time doing the work. Mm, it that's is, a good one. Well, and it's so easy. When I walked in, I sat down, I read 12 things, decided I had already done six and right. I was ready to start making amends to some ex-girlfriends. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm just speaking from a male standpoint. Yeah. But when you come in there, actually do the work. Because the one person that you're punishing is yourself. A hundred percent. Yeah. The, Absolutely. the rest of the world that you may have fucked over or, you know, they're not going to know. They're not going to know that you shortchange yourself. Your sponsor, whoever you share it with, isn't going to know that you shortchange yourself. All you're doing is limiting your freedom in life. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish that I knew that because I definitely held some stuff off. I definitely held on to some things for a few years that could have taken me out. I don't know how close that it got me, but it, it was closer than I would have liked to right. be. But that's definitely one thing that I can say. And I think that's just a good thing to just, like, for anybody in life. Like, we get so caught up, you know, we talked about it earlier in the you know, we've got these computers in our pocket that can give us information at the drop of a hat. (laughs) And, you know, we're very like instant gratification kind of society. And, you know, as addicts, we definitely struggle with instant gratification. We always want instant gratification. Yeah. Um, and like me personally, I, I'm an addict. I have anxiety. Like, so I get into recovery and I'm like, do the 12 steps. (laughs) You know? And and I'm like, then I'll be here. You know? And like, if I would just like, chill the fuck out sometimes then I would probably get and I I would be able to peacefully get through it without putting the pressure on it and even though I'm not trying to hurry through it I would probably get through it a lot fucking faster if I would just chill the fuck out about it in 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 general so (laughs) I think that's a that's just a a good life piece for any like just just live dude yeah. Like it's Take it's time. we're we're te- we're not telling you to like press this button and you'll be fixed. There is no like fix it button button. We're teaching you how to relive. So therefore, it's a lifestyle for you. Yeah. Like it's not some like race. We're talking like for the rest of hopefully for the rest of your life is going to be, you know, fueled by by these 12 steps. So like just chill out or you know whatever your path is by yeah. by recovery and yeah, in, in general, general you know mm-hmm. like just chill out and and slow down and really soak it in yeah man it's 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 hard sometimes when um especially when you're coming in i feel like just to get out of your own damn way i i was so bad about that yes <laughs> not you not there you was, there was no hesitation on <laughs> yeah. that one a hundred percent. Yeah. That I remember. Yeah. I remember being in treatment and, uh, one of the people were like, didn't you tell them to like discharge you immediately <laughs> because of something? Uh, yeah. Heating pad. I got, oh, I got yeah, yeah. yeah, I got really angry because, uh, they told me they were going to take my heating pad away because it was like, it was like a state funded facility. So they had like, you know, mandatory fire hazard things or whatever. And, 
so they were like, yeah, you can't have your heating pad. And I was like, yeah, that's cool or whatever, but we finna, we're going to go hand to hand if you try to take my heating pad. <laughs> and the lady was you like, learn today. yeah, she was like, I, I've been clean 12 years. I'm not going to fight you over a heating pad. I was like, you ain't getting my fucking heating pad, lady. I'm letting you know. Yeah. Like it's, and like, and it was like, she was like, you ain't hurting me none. We can yeah. ride up the discharge. Paper yeah. She's right like, now. whatever. <laughs> like if you want to ride up to QT, let me know. It's not a thing. Like it, it is what it is. Like I'm, I'm really not going to scrap with you over this heating pad. And I remember being, God bless all of the Oh my God, dude. Like, in, in yeah, the, the recovery community. And, and like, rehabs people, and treatments oh God, and it. like dealing with people fresh off the street and still got that like And like, I was so mad about it, dude. I was <laughs> so fucking mad. Like it was like a personal attack. Like she, well, had, yeah. I was like, I'm pregnant how dare you like i can't take any drugs because i'm pregnant and she's like right because that's normal when you're pregnant you don't get fucked up like and i was like well i've gotta have my heating pad like you don't understand like <laughs> you're not getting the point lady and i remember Lord. being so mad and she was like you know i'm not gonna go into the details of her story or whatever for for respect but i remember like airing her dirty laundry out that she like willingly told us like to be vulnerable <laughs> and i was like oh yeah yeah well did you know that she did this and she did that and she was trying to take my heating pad and she was like, you know that you can't, like, take that from me and it be, like, insulting, right? Like, I, I voluntarily told, told everybody that, that right? right? Like, that was, like, you're not insulting me. I was like, yeah, whatever, I bitch. I live a life like, of honesty, yeah. so you can't She's, hurt me with yeah, the truth. Yeah, whatever, bitch. You took my heat bad, you know? I'm not full of secrets and lies like you, so you're not going to hurt God. me. God. Dude, I don't know how they... Do it. I don't either. I'm telling you, it's so much. Like I would, I would get sucked back. Like I don't even know if I'll ever be at a, at a spiritual place where I can Never. like go and because I don't know about you, but at my treatment, like they lived on site with us, so like, oh wow, it was there. It they were surrounded by us and our mentalities and like to get not to stay at like an upper spiritual level when you're surrounded by like all of these people that are still very spiritually sick. Yeah. Like, whoo, I don't know if I can do it. Yeah. I remember like eating one slice of cheese that didn't have your name on it. Like they, these motherfuckers <laughs> would freak out. It'd be midnight calling the director. I mean, it took my counselor, I think 60 days to get my actual social security number because I had warrants. Aww. Like, I don't know how she did it. Like, I changed like nine out of ten digits on my social because I had warrants coming in. So when you signed, and, your, when you signed yourself up, you faked a social? Yeah, and then it, like HIPAA, HIPAA calls. <laughs> like, and they're like, never going to find out, right? Like, hey, how's Darius Johnson doing? They're like, who? Who the fuck is yeah. that? <laughs> They were, like, I would, there was nothing that I let go of in recovery, like Barbie says, that didn't have claw marks all over it. Yes. Like, it was absolutely insane. And, like, I wouldn't get on Facebook because they could, like, track me by my URL <laughs> or some crazy shit. Like, I was outside of my mind. So, for the people that are counselors or work in any type of facility that helps with drug addiction, you guys are the real MVPs. That is... A hundred percent. Absolutely insane. Because I... Yeah, I wouldn't be able to turn the phone. <laughs> I'd be like, he ate my cheese stick. I'd be like, well, fucking, I know it's midnight. Walk to the Exxon and go get you some cheese sticks. Like, nobody cares, dude. You got a job, don't you? Yeah. So. It's funny, man. It's, it's, it's just why. Like, so let me ask you, because I relate a lot with your story um, where, like, if you looked at my life from, from the street view, right? Like. Yeah. I didn't go without. We were a middle-class family. My parents worked really hard. Um, I went to summer camp and did all the sports and, you know, but I still went astray. And, like, I remember being in addiction and, like, sitting next to people in, like, a shack with no water and be like, I'm not supposed to be here, y'all. Like, I'm supposed yeah. to be in college. Like, y'all yeah. don't understand. Like, yeah. I am not supposed to be here. I am not one of you guys. You right. know? Right. And, like, as I'm like, hey, pass that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, but for me, like, I've always, you know, my brain always wants to go to the why, even though, like, sometimes there's always. just not a, a clear... Yeah. There's just not. It's yep. sometimes shit just happens. But the only thing that I can really remember from like early, early childhood is I just always remember like having this uneasiness in me. 
Like, and that uneasiness. So I learned from a really early, early age to like make noise. Whether that be good noise, bad noise, yeah. loving noise, mean noise, didn't whatever matter. Whatever it is. Whatever. Make noise because when when things were calm and things were quiet, that uneasiness was just like unbearable. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, maybe that goes hand in hand with, you know, my ADHD that I was diagnosed <laughs> with. I, anxiety, mental illness, probably. Um, but, like, do you think that there was something if you had to if if like you were sitting there with a doctor and the doctor was like what what would you classify your reason for addiction I think and I'll go ahead and say that addiction is a equal opportunity offender like it doesn't 100%. matter what walk of life you come from yeah. you know you run but I would meet people that tried drugs like my sister yeah. had done it and she tried it and it made her sick and she didn't like it and she never went back. Right. So I think my issue, cause I lived that chaotic life, you know, my yeah. mom was married multiple times. Yeah. I had men in and out. I had older brothers that were off the chain. I never learned healthy coping mechanisms mm. when I was in, when I was just a child, I had separation anxiety from mm-hmm. my mother. I went to peewee football practice one time. She drove a mile and a half back to the house to take the roast out of the oven. And my coach had to chase me down to a major intersection and tackle me in full football gear because I was worried she wasn't ever coming back. I had to wear a wedding ring when I was a child because i that was the only thing that could calm me down and let me know that my mom wasn't going to forget her kid. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So I never had those healthy coping mechanisms. I never knew how to handle any type of emotion. So when it came to later in life, when I started using, I would use for happy, sad, your birthday, my birthday, get drugs, walk down the street and find a fucking birthday. You know what I mean? It was just all over the place. But if I had to dictate everything in my life, because I think the way society is today, eventually, and not all, so don't take me the wrong way, eventually, the majority of the population will try, whether it be drinking, smoking weed, which is yeah. like a super societal norm today. Yes. At some point in their life, it just comes down to the point that do you have, at least for me, the coping mechanisms to not take this to an absolute extreme, which right. is right. my entire life story. Right. But. Because see, like, I always say, like, when I tell, when I formally tell my story at like a meeting or something, like, yeah. I say that I was born an addict. Because, like, I always had that uneasiness, and I always needed to manipulate it somehow by, like I said before, like, by making noise. Whether that was acting out, whether that was um, manipulating, you know, my parents or my teachers or whatever. Like, um, I was just, I don't don't know. Like, emotions were just, like, these balls of fury in me that that were like like a pinball machine dude just like binging all over the place and there was no like pathway and there was no like okay you feel sad and you cry and you release it no 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 no. you know like it was just like like the voice binging all over me and like i needed to drown it out you know Yeah. yeah i needed to drown it out and so of course you know the ultimate muffler of all mufflers is substances. And so it just, when, when I got, I mean, cause I did everything like a junkie, like even when all, cause I only, I I held fast to like, I did some party drugs and stuff in my, in my twenties. But like the only thing that I did, like religion was I smoked weed and like I closed the bars down on the weekends. But even that I did like a junkie. Like, the first charge I ever caught was because I came home from work and my boyfriend had the audacity to smoke my last blunt. <laughs> so I rocked him. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've been like, chugging sex on the beaches at the bar, boy. You better get out of here. Right? Like, I get how that, dare you? Yeah, I get that, though. Because I remember, like, being, uh, I remember, like, before I was, like, really heavy into, like, heavy drugs and stuff. Like, like you were talking about smoking weed like a junkie, like... It was my 21st birthday, and, you know, I'd already been in the bars for a while, you know what I'm saying? Because I was hanging out with people that were much older than me anyway, so that's what I surrounded myself with. And I remember, <laughs> I remember I was like, oh, well, let's go, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm really like an old lady at heart. Yeah. So, uh, I was like, 
let's go to Rock City for my birthday. So I pre-rolled all the blunts I needed for the day to make this drive to Rock City to smoke all day long. Like, what kind of fucking junkie-ass shit... Like, we're pre-rolling blunts because we're, we don't want to be caught, like, in the car, riding, rolling, like, all this shit, like, and then I was, like, same thing as you, like, the fucking audacity, bro, like, I, we get to this restaurant, I had specifically picked, uh, Rock City because I wanted to go to a barbecue restaurant, so it's, like, the day of my birthday, I haven't had time to go to the DMV to get my license changed yet, obviously, you know, so, uh, so we get there and they're like, oh, well, your license, you know, it doesn't say over 21. I was like, yeah, but you motherfuckers can do math, though, right? Like, you know, today is my birthday. They're like, oh, well, it's our policy. You you know, we can't serve you if you don't have the 21 license, you know, because it's different directions. Oh, yeah, the yeah, Georgia yeah, license. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I fucking showed my ass in the middle of this, like, barbecue <laughs> restaurant on my 21st birthday. Like, how dare you motherfuckers? I brought my business here from Atlanta. Like... And they're like, listen, bitch, we didn't care about we your 50 bucks anyway. Care. Like, we don't care about your $50. Take your ass back to Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Like, how fucking dare you? I'll like, burn this place in the ground. Yeah, car. like, you think this is something, motherfucker? I'm going to leave a review on Yelp. Yeah, like, Rock City has rats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, I don't know, just off your rocker. Like, just, just dumb shit. Like, you know, how, how can you, how can you be subtle? fucking jade out and not even be doing hard drugs yet like and that like that wasn't my first red flag you know what i'm saying like oh you know i can't do anything normally like i was i was blackout fucking drunk going to the bars at like 18 like yeah and everybody 100%. i would have a, the fucking x's on my hand and i would keep hand sanitizer in my purse so i could go in the bathroom and rub the shit off you of know course. so they fucking serve me booze and shit and everybody would be like is that an X on your hand? I'm like, no, it's not, dude. Like, what are you talking about? I'm just, hey, let me get another lemon drop. Addict <laughs> <laughs> like, mentality. Yeah, everything. I think, insane. I think that's the one thing that, like, I'm so grateful for is, like, recovery has just taught me to, like, not only do I, do I think that, like, I'm just not that big of a fucking deal anymore. Yeah, yeah. But I'm grateful that I just nah. think that I'm not that big of a... Like, it doesn't fucking ruin my whole week if I get a flat tire. Like, I just... I change the tire and I keep it moving. Yeah, dude. And it's okay, dude. You know? Like, <laughs> because we've stopped being so... But can you imagine if you got a flat tire when you were still out there using? Oh, my God. I, peace out. You're not going to see me for six months yeah. yeah i'm getting everything i got in the car right my whole life is ruined i just set up three i'm gonna cameras. i'm about to bu- i'm about to rob <laughs> six <laughs> i'm about to rob six banks and anybody who i come into contact with it, and <laughs> for me it was like it was polar opposites like it was one of two reactions like i was either so devastated to the point where i could not function or this was a sign from the universe for oh, me to the persevere. Signs, dude, please like, don't. With you, the got, you got crystals in your pocket. What's going on, dude? Dude, I, that was I, my car broke Everything down. Everything was a sign. My oh, car man. broke down at Super <laughs> Sober Living when I decided to leave. So I was like, "This is a fucking sign for me to persevere and keep going." So I left Sober Living after two weeks. I quit with my new love of my life boyfriend, soon to be baby daddy. Didn't realize. How'd that uh, work out yet. for you? Uh, with my car on a tow truck leaving this, like <laughs> packing my shit into my car on the back of a tow truck. Like next level, I'm leaving this bitch. Like <laughs> they were all like, are you okay? I'm like, car down. And if that's not a sign like, for God for you to like chill out, like, you I, don't need to leave. I, I yeah, thought I was so, <laughs> I thought I was so chronically unique. Like the, I had a mini fridge in the sober living in my room. So I'm hauling this mini fridge up on top of the, the tow truck, up into the back of my raggedy Honda Civic. Like, the shit is psycho, bro. Like, yeah. like straight psycho. Like, Priorities why do you, are really in check. Why there. do you have a mini fridge, bitch? You don't have a life. Like, you're, you have no life. Why do you? I was like, oh, no. I've got You don't understand. There's not enough room in the refrigerator. There's seven people in this apartment. I need a mini fridge in my room. Like, what? <laughs> I love that comment, chronically unique. Yeah. Chronically unique. I just think that is one of the main issues coming in. Because I remember thinking, like, did I walk into, like, an old room and these motherfuckers are all shaking. I fucking spilled more than you ever drank. And I'm like, (laughs) 
Well, if you'd have fucking got it all in your mouth, you'd have got here when I did. Right. I would find every single thing in the world to differ myself about with yeah. every single person. And the moment I realized that I'm not that fucking special. Yeah. You know, I got a minuscule amount on me, even in the streets. And I'm thinking, literally, everybody's after me my whole life. I thought I was so fucking special. Yeah. Yeah. Mom always kissed me, told me wipe my ass, told me my ass is special from everybody else's. But mm-hmm. you get into recovery, and that's the one thing that will set you back. Yep. Is you are special to us. You are like us. We think that everybody that comes into this program is special. We want you to succeed because failure means death in our right. eyes. Yes. But unless you can relate to the people around you, you will consistently be in that bullshit state of mind and it's all about perspective and that's what i'm that's what i meant earlier about just like not taking myself so serious like i'm so grateful that i don't have to take myself so seriously today that i can get on a level with you know the bougiest of bougie in a room and you know the person coming in off the off the street with with you know that still got grippy socks on from the detox center you know like I, i think it's i think for me it's like um the ability to be comfortable in my own skin yeah is um like it's like again like it's you know i don't have to have a million dollars or all the things or whatever like just me being at peace with myself like i'm good enough just where i'm at like that's right i'm a good person i'm doing the best that i can to do um things in an opposite way than i ever did before right. yeah you know and like i think if i just keep that mentality it will propel me exactly where I need to go. And I, I struggle with, like you were talking about earlier, the whys of it all. But I think sometimes realizing that, um, I think sometimes realizing that it, it doesn't, I don't have to have all the answers all the time. That's right. Um, and that letting go of that obsession of having control and wanting to know why and how and all those things. Uh, that frees me up to be able to receive the blessings that I didn't know that I could have. Because yeah. once I stopped blocking myself from that connection from my higher power, um, you know, to the point where I was able to start to receive those things, that's when the, I guess, the spiritual awakening and the fruitfulness of it all, you know, the promises really started to come true. Yeah. As, you know, I, I had to get out of my own damn way, man. Right. And, it's crucial. and I think that, you know, if you're, if you're struggling trying to figure out, you know, man, I've been clean for a while. How come this isn't lining up for me? How come this isn't that? I mean, are you really truly letting go of the control aspect of it? Because I think unintentionally, a lot of us, um, we, we have a a controlling mentality sometimes Mm -hmm. and we don't, we don't mean to, but it just happens like that. So, you know, we got to learn to let go and let, let the blessings come as they should. And, uh, you know, We'll, we'll get that life that, that we hear so much about when we first come in. That's right. So, but. And it's a beautiful life. It is. It definitely man. is. Um, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Um, you know, actually, Daniel, one of, one of the things that you said before um, that helps me a lot, and I, I try to uh, repeat sometimes when I am getting controlling, is like, what have you got to lose, man? Yeah, that's a good what one. Have you, what have you got to lose? Like, yeah. I keep trying to control this this thing that I don't even like. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, I didn't even like my life. <laughs> Why am I trying to hold yeah. on to it so much, you know? Yeah. So, um. It's true. What do you have to lose, man? Yeah. So, so. thanks for. Thanks, um, Daniel. Thank thanks y'all for, for having me. On. I had a blast. Thanks, thanks for being vulnerable. Much. It's. It's not easy to tell your story at any capacity, nonetheless, on a podcast. Well, uh, so, just don't go to the Suburban Lodge and use my name as a referral. Awesome. So, right, perfect. Awesome. We'll keep that in mind. Or your fake social. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. See you guys next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.